a two with a three wing. That's where I fall on the Enneagram. What about you? Should Christians take the Enneagram? Is that helpful information in uh, defining who we are? Today we have a question on the Enneagram. Well, this is Considerate, where we're considering questions about life, theology, and the church. This is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in Braunfels, Texas. Do you have questions that regard life, theology, and the church? If so, text the word redemption and your question to 474747, and we'll consider those questions. To learn more about our church and everything we're doing here, visit us at redemption.bible. I'm Aaron Orozco. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Hey guys, thanks for joining us this week on Consider It. Let's start right up top with the question that we have today that was submitted. It says, a hot topic in many circles is the Enneagram. In reform circles, though, it seems to be regarded at best as an identity trap that only fools wander into, and at worst, a demonic occult practice that could derail your faith. So the question is, what is a biblically truthful and biblically compassionate response to the Enneagram itself and those who are drawn to it? Um, if, yeah, pretty pretty interesting question. And, and if you um, are alive today, I'm sure you have heard on social media or through a friend uh, of this thing. And actually, Blair, I have this pulled up just off of um, Wikipedia. Let's just read the first sentence. What is Enneagram? It says, the Enneagram of personality, or simply the Enneagram, is a model of human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. Interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Wow. This is a, I like how this question is, is worded. Thanks to uh, whoever submitted it. And uh, um, I'm, Sure, as Aaron said, maybe you have heard of it. If you haven't heard of the Enneagram, that's what you have. It's uh, one of the um, newer, well, I guess actually some say that this is an ancient personality profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, for some reason, it's, it is back in the it's mainstream. The fad. It's yeah. the fad right now. It's the fad, that's right. Um, and so uh, the Enneagram is. Um, a lot like many personality profiles, if yeah. you haven't taken it or are unfamiliar with it. You know, some in more recent history that have been popular are the DISC personality profiles. Yeah. You know, that was the one that um, likened you to a golden retriever or a beaver. Or <laughs> yeah. a, I know the, the Myers-Briggs one was was po- was popular for a while. Myers-Briggs, yeah, the IMDJ I, or right, whatever. Elemental and, P. Yes, yeah. yes. And so that was, a, that was a very popular one for a while. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're popular in, in just kind of contemporary American culture. And then, uh, like most things, they work their way into the church. And, and uh, you know, so there's a, a variety of responses to it. But there's, there are others, you know, corporations use leadership pro- profiles. Yeah. You know, like our network uses the flipping profile for leaders and, yeah. and things. And so there are all kinds of tools out there. Um, but the Enneagram uh, specifically has become a fad and particularly yeah. made its way into the church. Yeah, it has. Why don't, you, why don't you start with just addressing that first part of the question? It says in, in reform circles, it's either at best an identity trap or at worst a demonic occult practice. What do you right. what do you that's have to a, say about that? 
that that's very specific. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, I, don't, I don't know that I would say that it's just in reformed circles. There's, um, I mean, yeah. this, this viewpoint may not be uh, only in uh, those that uh, um, hold to the reformed doctrines of grace and things. It's probably more of a Christian thing. Um, and and you know what's interesting about about this is 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 you're right. There are these polarities. There are these yeah. extremes mm-hmm. in responses, not just to the enneagram, but uh, to other personality profiles and 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 actually really anything that kind of makes its way up into pop culture. Um, you know, we live in a time in an era where everything just goes to the extremes. We live in a very polarized culture. Right. I mean, you're either a Mac person or a PC person, yeah. and there's like no room to be in, in between. between. You know, you're sure. either a Republican or a Democrat, and like <laughs> you know, there's that's unthinkable to be somewhere in the middle or whatever. So. These are some of those responses, an identity trap uh, or a demonic occult practice. And I think with the Enneagram, it really uh, does, uh, for some, they do see it as like an occult thing, particularly yeah. because there's like the pentagram or something with the nine things. Right, and the it shape. has, you know, the, it's, I guess, similar to witchcraft or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, some see that and immediately like red flags uh, go off and, and all that. Um and so, is it somewhere in there, and uh, or is there is there a better response? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that it's either. I mean, are the temptations to go to one of those things? Sure. Yeah. You know, if we make this like the uh, final authority in our life, well, yeah, it can become an identity trap. Right. Um, can it lead us to occult practices? Well, I guess. I, I mean, if uh, if we're kind of bent that way and open yeah. to that stuff, and you know, as as unbelievers, maybe. Um, but I don't think that it has to. Um, I mean, there are all kinds of things that I guess could lead us into that. Um, but uh, but I don't think that that is like the uh, the absolute yeah, the ending only place. Options. Like if yeah. you take the enneagram, you will, uh, if taken to its you know logical conclusion or whatever, follow the pathway down it. You will you know end up in some sort of like occult practice. Yeah. Things. Like yeah. Um, I don't think that is the case mm-hmm. um, here. But it does, you know, warn some caution, like with any of these tools, um, that it is precisely that. It's a tool. Yeah. Um, you know, what's what's our final authority in life? It's right. the the word yeah right. it's the word of god it has to be our final authority and and we believe in the sufficiency of god's mm-hmm. word we believe in the authority yeah. of god's word we believe in the clarity of god's word and uh, and that but that doesn't mean that there are uh other helpful tools outside yeah. of the scriptures. Yeah. It's just that that is our final authority. And that's, that's you know, this is really kind of a bigger principle thing. All of the behavioral sciences, counseling, psychology, um, uh, the these not just personality profile things, but, uh, um, but the tools that we have that mm-hmm. kind of fit into that, um, that sphere of things um, are are helpful observations about who we are. Right. They're descriptive. They're descriptive. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And so they can be helpful right. for us to understand who we are, what our, you know, propensities are, and uh, um, and and should hopefully lead us closer to the Lord. I, I was in thinking about this question, it reminded me of of one of the things that John Calvin uh, said to open up uh, the institutes, his kind of massive work on systematic 
systematic theology. And in, uh, in his opening, he says, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, and so even Calvin, you know, if we're talking about reform circles, you know, yeah. he he understood the idea, the 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 wisdom and the importance of understanding who Our, we are. Right now, what he doesn't mean in that is this like self help, like finding your inner self and yeah. becoming comfortable in your own person. But what he will then go on to say, and it's really his uh, theology of sin, is understanding. Okay, when we really understand who we are and uh, our uh, uh, inherent sinfulness, and then when we understand the specifics of those, because all of us are created differently, right. and we have different motivations, different temptations that are uh, unique. Uh, well, not unique in that we're the only person, but that might be different than right. you know. You and I will struggle with the different things. Right. But in understanding that, and in understanding our our sinfulness, then when we understand God, and we put those two things next to one another, we actually it increases our worship. Right. And uh, and, it, and then it increases is really uh, maybe counterintuitively or definitely counterculturally, yeah. when we understand our sinfulness and we understand the holiness and mercy and forgiveness and grace of God, that's where we find our real true value. Right. Not like this introspective looking into, okay, well, I am a two with a three wing. Now I really know the yeah. core of who I am right. and, and all that. And, uh, and so... That's where that's the place where these things I think mm-hmm. fall in uh, into the Christian's life specifically. Right, for sure. I think like you're saying, like a lot of these social sciences, first of all, are are they they start from a humanistic worldview, sure. and as a Christian, uh, we we don't we don't start there. We start with we start with God at the center, you know, and our identity uh, and and the origin of everything, purpose, truth comes from there you know right. and so the these these tools like you were saying are meant to be descriptive and i think science we can use as a tool because it's it's observation is is very good you know science has a great way of describing and observing and recording facts and yeah. i think we can use that to our advantage i think like you're saying the 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 concerning part for me that has always been with these kinds of of things is, is when we find our identity in them. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, y- you you think that this test is going to tell you something about yourself that you've not known, and maybe it does, but but you you root your identity in this, yeah. and you kind of start to develop this like finding your happiness and your source of like your compass based on this. Yeah. And I think it, Scripture teaches us that our identity is in Christ. Amen. And and like you're saying. A lot of these, a lot of these, like, you know, like it tells you, I know I remember taking the test and it, and it tells you like your, your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. And again, like I'm hearing stuff like this and, and I think like you're saying, John Calvin, understanding ourselves as humans, our weakness is sin and our propensity to sin, you know, yeah. and our, our desire to just keep on sinning, like these tests don't approach it like that. They approach it just from a very humanistic uh, perspective. And so I think the danger can be in in starting to find our identity in something that isn't Christ. And then we start to try to solve that in something else that isn't Christ. You know what I mean? That's right. That's so true. And and that's where it crosses the line if if this then becomes our identity. Mm -hmm. And so how do we know when it has crossed the line Mm -hmm. where it hasn't just become something that's helpful or advantageous is when it does become our authority is when it becomes like an excuse 
to um, to brush off yeah, you sinful pattern. It. Right, yeah, yeah, when it becomes a justifier. And 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 so it's like, oh, well, I can't help you, um, you know, come, you know, watch your kids today because yeah. that's not my, you know, I'm, I'm a nine or I, I mean. Whatever. Yeah, maybe that wouldn't necessarily fit into a nine. <laughs> um, but uh, they probably would actually. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm an eight and so that's, that's not my thing. Yeah. And uh, no, I can't do that mm-hmm. because, because I'm this way or we just excuse it. Well, you have to, you'll, you'll just have to get over that because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this way and, and, uh, um, and, and I can't do anything about it. No, yeah, no, not really. no, no, that's, that's, um, now, th- now that's not to diminish the fact that we have strengths and weaknesses right, and some, right. you know, that might not be in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but when, but what I'm trying to say is that how we know that it has become our authority or it's crossed the line over just being something that is helpful for us is when it becomes an excuse to, um, to, to um, justify sinful behaviors that we yeah. have, or it uh, prevents us from stepping in and doing the things that God has put before us or owning right. our responsibilities. Right. Um, you know, if husbands start saying, well, I can't wash the dishes <laughs> because I'm not a two and that's yeah. not, I'm not a helper, you yeah. know, I'm not a helpful person, then uh, no bro, go do yeah. the dishes. You right. know? And, and Yeah, and can I say like, this? these personality tests are it's not a new thing. It's not a new desire for mankind to try to find identity and purpose and try to seek to understand who are we? Why do we exist? How do we exist? You know, and, and that just that, that idea of, of finding purpose and identity, that's nothing new. You know, that's, that's really like when, when God created mankind, he imprinted his own image into us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and our full purpose and identity is found when we understand it through the lens that we were created by God for God. Right. And and when we when we derail from that, well, of course we we try to find purpose and identity, and we look to these things maybe sometimes, and yeah. and it's hard to. It, it, what I'm saying, trying to say is, I think this need to find purpose and identity is I think because we're, we're looking for it outside of who Christ is and who God is and who he made us to be. That's right. That's right. So I like how the second part of the question then asks is like, well, what is the biblically truthful and biblically compassionate response to the Enneagram itself and to those who are drawn to it? Mm -hmm. So there is kind of two uh, aspects to that question here, but the biblically truthful, biblically compassionate one is, well, um, what are we first and foremost, what, what are we, what, what do we point ourselves to? What are what do we anchor ourselves in? Well, um, it's it's just as you said, Aaron. It's our identity in Christ. Right. You know, we go back to the truths of I am a child of God. If mm-hmm. I'm a Christian today, I am in Christ. I am secure in His love. Nothing yeah. can separate me from the love of Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans eight one. You know these these unalterable truths yeah. about who we are. I am a new creature. Creation. Um, I am a friend of God. John fifteen mm-hmm. uh, talks about um, that. Uh, I have God's Spirit in me. Yeah. These are true things about who I am, and those those are the things that are our identity that we right. do cling to. Um, and so, um, so if tools like this that can 
point us to those things, then then I think they can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, this was, as thinking about it, 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 it brought me back to Paul's uh, instructions in Colossians 3. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above yeah. where Christ is, seated at the right hand mm-hmm. of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm. And so that's our instruction. That's where we go to find our identity. Yeah. That's where we set our minds. Like we place it there. Like that is the target is, uh, you know, is on what God says. Yeah. Now, this isn't like, you know, some weird thing, like set your mind on the things that are above. Like we're just like, you know, so heavenly minded. We're not any earthly good. You've heard that right. adage before. And, uh, you know, that we're just like walking around with our, you know, thoughts in the clouds and, and, and go on. But no, we, it's that we're thinking biblically true things. And so, that's where it goes back to our identity. We're going back to, okay, well, what does God say about me? What Mm -hmm. does His Word uh, say about me? And not not some personality profile. That's that's not where we begin and go back to. But if that is a vehicle for pointing us to it, then by all means. And that's specifically going to the Enneagram, you know, the, the biblically truthful, the biblically compassionate response to it. Here's one reason why I do actually like the Enneagram and think where it can be helpful mm-hmm. um, is because the kind of the premise behind the Enneagram is it is um, it helps to uncover some of our motivations for the reason that we do things, yeah. the decisions that we make, mm-hmm. what we prioritize in our life. And that's one of the helpful things, I think, about the Enneagram that where it can be a tool to help us uncover things right. um, like that. Which makes it unique to mm-hmm. other ones that are maybe more strengths-based uh, type uh, um, type profiles. And now there are those things in, in the Enneagram as well. But what, what I think it is helpful is um, in conflict resolution, where there's, when there's reconciliation need to happen, forgiveness, yeah. that, that in those interpersonal relationships, it can be a helpful tool, even from believers, right. to point out, okay, well, this is what motivates me, and this is maybe why this conflict is happening. This is why this strife is happening. This right. is this is helpful in that. And then, to with that understanding, to set our th- mind on things or above. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I am, uh, you know, I am a helper by, uh, you know, by nature or whatever, and uh, that's those. Those are some of the motivating factors. Well, I can. It can lead to kind of unhealthy decision making and trying right. to help everybody and being mm-hmm. a rescuer and um, and you know trying to be a savior to everybody where it yeah. can't do, mm-hmm. um, you know, or whatever you wherever you test out on on those things. And so that can be really helpful to uncover those those uh, things to make those observations. Yeah. And then where do we take it? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the next step. Okay, well, we bring it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need discernment right. in uh, in do- doing these things. And so that's what th- that's personally what I think about the Enneagram. Yeah. And you know, to those that are um, to those that are in it or like really love it, it's uh, I, w- I would say, okay, well, let it do that. You know. Yeah. Um, think about like as Colossians said, uh, your perspective or the direction, the uh, uh, the manner in which the tool you are, or the manner in which you are using this tool, the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Are you using the Enneagram to look inward? You know, for self discovery, for right. self revelation, all right. that stuff. 
yeah, yeah that's I'd exercise some caution in right, that. Right. Like, yes, but only then to then divert our attention to set our mind on things above. Right. That's that's the end all. Right. That's the goal, I think. And, you know, going back to Calvin's quote, that's ultimately what he's referring mm-hmm. to in that. And if it can help you um, become more holy and can be a tool of sanctification in that way, yeah. um, then, uh, and to grow into more Christ-likeness, yeah. then, you know, praise God for tools like this. Mm-hmm. And But understanding it's a tool, not our authority. Yeah. And, uh and it could be wrong. Right. Yeah, I think like like what you're saying when when you take it as a standalone compass and and instruction manual, that's where I think it can become dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but when you use it as a descriptive tool and you know, you bring bring it under and submit it, you know, under what our call is yeah. um, with the gospel and who we are in Christ, I think it yeah. can be really helpful. You know, it can help you understand yourself a little bit better and like yeah. you're saying, your motivations and just try to understand maybe other people better. Um, but like you said, it can't it can't supersede our call and it can't supersede our identity in Christ. Right. And it definitely, like you're saying, if we're using it for some sort of internal, like to find this peace or like we finally understand who we are and our identity, that's when I think we're, 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 we're deviating from, from the word and what the word has, has told us that we have everything we need in Christ yeah. and, and the word helps us understand and sort ourselves out in, in relation to God. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're referring to Second Peter uh, one that we, by God's granted to us by His divine power, everything we need for life and godliness. Yeah. And uh, and so we have that. Like Scripture mm-hmm. is enough. God's Spirit within us is enough. And uh, and yeah. so that's really where we need to go for mm-hmm. our truth for. Um, uh, for those kind of anchor points yeah. in, in our identity and and what we believe and all that, um, and, and you know this is maybe this will be a helpful distinction for some is uh, the, that where the enneagram falls is a matter of perspective, not mm-hmm. a matter of truth. Yeah. And there's a big difference there. Right. There's one truth. Our source of truth is the scriptures because right. they point to God. It's the word of God mm-hmm. that he spoke and God is truth. And so the scripture is truth. And now this is a matter of perspective, a way of seeing, a way of viewing things. Yeah. Um, but our perspective isn't truth. Right. And, uh, and so that has to be submitted to what we believe about the word sure. of God. Yeah. And I think some, some really practical things for, for anybody who maybe uh, if you haven't taken or, you know, someone who has taken it and people who are kind of, you know, not really into it, people who are super into it is, you know, just ask questions about like, well, what does that make you think about God? What does that, what does that tell you about you in relation to who Christ is? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just little questions that, that point to you. Okay. Then, then how does this relate to my identity in Christ? Yeah. Um, and I think that's when it can be really helpful in trying to understand and trying to sort through with maybe we do have some, some, some things that we tend to do, some weaknesses that we tend to cling to, or maybe, you know, some strengths that we tend to cling to, um, whether that's uh, biblical or not, you know what I mean? Right. I think asking those questions to, to kind of refocus the point, which is, you know, the gospel and who Christ has called us to be. Yeah. 
Right? Yeah. Right. It's a, it's, it's, if we take it with a sense of humility, yeah, not like this sense of uh, self empowerment or the sense of uh, dominion so we can get ahead and, you know, um, be the best and most successful version yeah. of ourselves. Um, that there's there's just a lot of traps in there and uh, that can lead us down the wrong path right um and so this like many tools like that there's just, just a measure of discernment and caution yeah. mm-hmm. that we have to exercise when uh when taking things like this and so i don't necessarily discourage people from doing it just like with most everything mm-hmm. take it with wisdom and discernment and it's not going to be like the silver bullet for solving all your problems right. and having a you know a happy healthy marriage and yeah. you know the rock star business or you know um it's it's just another one of those tools and so if we keep it in its proper place then yep. then uh then just look at great. it through, through the lens of the gospel you know be mm-hmm. gospel centered yeah yeah and and then it can be a really really helpful tool um but um but just because you know a christian author has taken something or you know they've christianized it or you know put spiritual words into it doesn't necessarily yeah. make it like this the you know the the next big Christian revelation. Right. Know? And so, but it also is not just something, you know, straight from hell that's <laughs> trying to, you know, to destroy us. Um, but, um, so I think that's a, that's a, uh, there's a place for it. I think there's a place for it in, uh, in, in our faith and our walk with the Lord and our sanctification. Um, just remembering that it is a place and it's not the end all be all. So if you find yourself studying the Enneagram more than you find yourself studying the scriptures, you've gone overboard, right. you know, if you find yourself referring to your Enneagram number more than you find yourself referring to yourself as a Christ follower, mm-hmm. you might've gone too far. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? And so just kind of watch yeah. those things. Those are heart mm-hmm. checks, life right. checks. Um, ask those around you, you people in your small group, your spouse, your close yeah. friends. Um, you know, if all you're talking about is the Enneagram more than you're talking about your walk with the Lord, you, you might've gone too far. And so there's just, a measure of discernment uh, like with all things in this well thanks for tuning in to consider it a ministry of redemption bible church here in new braunfels texas where we are taking on questions regarding life theology and the church if you'd like to submit a question text the word redemption and your question to 474747 to learn more about our church visit us at redemption.bible We thank you for your support and listening, and we hope that you'll join us next week as we consider it.